Lord, open my mouth that my that I may show forth your praise in all I say. Lord Jesus, we give this time to you that you may speak through me to hearts waiting to hear of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we did the little math this morning with the children, we are indeed on the second Sunday in Advent. Um, Advent is this time, this season of waiting comes from the Latin adveniri to come. So we're waiting for someone to come. In fact, we're waiting for the past to come forward again and we're waiting for the future. But we're doing so in the present. So we're in this time, in the present, waiting for that which happened in the past to come forward into the present again and waiting for that promise that God has given that the king will return, the child to come again and the king to return. So waiting, it's not something that our culture encourages us to do. Immediate gratification is the byword of the age. There's no delayed gratification anymore. We just need to look at the videos from Black Friday to know that that is true. When people are scrambling over each other, no cues formed, no lines there, just immediate gratification. But waiting well, patience, is one of the cardinal Christian virtues. Patience. It's also a fruit of the Spirit, as Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians, the fruit of a life lived, submitted to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, shows forth as fruit. And those fruit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control faithfulness. All of those are the fruit, the, what comes out of the branches of our lives when we're given over to the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. Luke's gospel, unique amongst the gospels, has us wait quite a long time before Jesus shows up in the scene of the narrative. Eighty verses long, in fact, before we encounter Jesus. The first people that we encounter, besides Theophilus, to whom the gospel is written, are Zechariah and Elizabeth. And unusually, I went back and looked, and in all of our lectionaries, this passage is not included So if you're waiting to hear the Bible stories only in church, you might never have heard about Zechariah and Elizabeth. But Luke gives a lot of space to them. And and he fills out their personalities. 
we hear that Zechariah is a priest who goes, who's on a schedule. His cohort is scheduled, like our ministry schedule here, the acolytes and everybody. He's on a schedule to go from the hill country where they live down up to Jerusalem and into the temple and uh, to, to be given the duties that he has to do. Elizabeth is also of a priestly line. Since she's a woman, she's not entering into that priestly ministry at that point in time. But her lineage comes from Aaron, who was the great, the first high priest. So we know that about them. We also know that they're quite advanced in years at this point in time. They're older and they have no child. And we know that they've been praying about that from later on in the story. So it's not that they don't want to have children. They did. And they haven't had a child. And of course in that culture... To not have a child has brought disgrace on them. There's no one to continue the line. There's no way to continue the heritage of Zechariah through the ages and and Elizabeth. But note this, they're not discouraged or disappointed about that. It's their prayer, but they continue to trust God. Because we hear about them that they were both righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the law. In spite of the fact, therefore, that what they wanted most in life and had not received, they continued to completely trust the Lord. They trusted God. See, patience is about that. Patience is about trusting God and his timing, not insisting that we know better than he does. That's hubris. To look out at the world and say, if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. Because after all, we have a really small brain compared to God's. So we're not... He created us. He is the creator. He created our emotions. He created our ability to reason. He created all that there is. And he is sovereign. It's as if it says in scripture, the pot would tell the potter exactly how the pot should be made and it would not include being thrown or being spun on a wheel. God is the sovereign Lord and his timing and his ways are perfect and in his perfect time, Elizabeth, in her old age, conceives a child. And we hear about it in this first chapter in Luke. 
It's a wonderful story. It's a beautiful story. Zechariah is in his cohort. He's in the temple. He's offering incense at the incense altar when all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears and we learn later that it's Gabriel, same messenger angel that goes, has gone to Mary and, 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 and advises Mary. And we'll, talk, we'll read that story in a couple of weeks. But the angel of the Lord appears to him in the temple. And we hear this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, What do angels say when you first encounter an angel? All the way through scripture, don't be afraid. That's what angels always say because we're like gobsmacked. Oh my gosh, there's an angel there. So the angel says, don't be afraid. Angel says to Zechariah, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Hang on to that. We'll think about that next week or two weeks. Be filled with the Holy Spirit before he is born. And he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And then Zechariah asked his question, how can I be sure of this? And angels appeared to him. And he says, how can I be sure of this? I'm old man and my wife is well along in years. And then don't you love Gabriel's response? Because I'm Gabriel. I stand at the right hand of God. And I've come here to give you this news. So, because you questioned, you'll be struck dumb until all of this comes to pass. So he goes out and he can't speak. And evidently his face shows what has happened because everybody's outside going, oh gosh, something really happened to Zechariah now. And he goes, and Elizabeth indeed conceives. Stay secluded for five months. Don't you think after all of this time of waiting, of praying, that she's just loving every minute of it. She just wants to be by herself to rejoice about what is now happening in her. New life coming. She doesn't want to ask anybody's questions. She just wants to be in the moment, in the waiting of what will be. But the minute she knows, this is what she says, this is what the Lord has done for me. 
when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. See, endurance is the virtue of fortitude, the virtue of patience, the virtue of fortitude. Both have to do with waiting, waiting, waiting on the Lord. And when the child is born, and there's a little inter- there's a little story in there, which again we'll come to in a couple of weeks. She has the visitor, Mary. Uh, that's in the middle of this story. But when the child is born, all of the family gathers around, and they're going, okay, well, so we're going to call him Zachariah, right? So Zachariah, and there's probably another Zachariah in the family. And Elizabeth speaks up and says, no, no, his name's going to be John. And they're going... Nobody in your family is named John. His name will be John. So they go to Zechariah, make motion to him, and he calls for a writing tablet. His name is John. And from that minute, his mouth is opened. And what are the first things that he does? Worships. He praises God. When awaiting is over, that's our only response. And he doesn't praise God for what has happened to him. He knows, he's been given wisdom to know that his son is somehow or other connected with the promised Messiah. And he praises God for the salvation that has come. Jesus is not yet born. The salvation that has come upon the whole people, that they are redeemed, that a Savior has been sent and come. He worships God. And after first worshiping God for the fulfillment of the promises, he then goes on because the people have said, gosh, if now he can suddenly speak again, now that the boy is born and named, what is this child going to be? And he speaks a word of prophecy over his own child. Thou child shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Just as God had prophesied through his prophet Malachi, as we read earlier, see, says the Lord, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. See, for 400 years, God had not been present in his temple. The Shekinah of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, that the presence of the Lord in the temple had been removed. God will return to his temple, but the temple he returns to, of course, is the physicality, is the physical body of Jesus, who in himself is the temple incarnate. He will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. And indeed, John does become this messenger, a prophet messenger who brings people to repentance, to turn to the Lord, and who proclaims that there is one coming, preparing the way of the Lord who is to come. He stands in this bridge place, does John, 
He stands between the old and the new. There's not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. Nobody's heard the voice of the Lord. The Lord used to come to the prophets and and call the people back to repentance and bring them words of comfort. There's been no prophet in Israel for over 400 years. And so John stands in that world. He stands in the way of the prophets of old and yet he's the messenger of a new covenant that is coming. He straddles the two worlds waiting for the one who will come but in the present calling the people to repent, to turn, preparing them for the one who will come. In a way we stand in the same place but not between the old world and the new because we're already in the new world. Jesus brought about a new world. He came in to set the new world in motion. It's not fully as it will be, but it is here. So we stand between the beginning of the end and the end of the end. See, we stand in that in-between time. The beginning of the end came in when Jesus came in and brought the reign of God into this present world. The end of the end will come when the king returns and heaven and earth come together and are made new again. So we're waiting. We're, We're in the present waiting We're waiting to celebrate again the child who came. And we're waiting to celebrate new the return of the king. We're in that waiting time. And that's the challenge of Advent, that we don't immediately get what we want. As a child, I'm sure a lot of you had Advent calendars And you could see on the advent calendar, you had to kind of figure out where the numbers were because they closed it so well that you couldn't see all of the little doors that you were to open. But if you held it up to the light, you could kind of see. But there was one place where there were two doors to open. And as a little girl, I thought, that must be a really special door because there are two to open. And so I kind of pull up a little bit and then I push it back down again. No, I'm not supposed to open that up until Christmas. So one by one, you'd open up all of these little ones, always looking forward to what's behind the double door. See, we don't always immediately get what we're waiting for. But those of you who have been pregnant know that you can't hurry that. For nine months, you're waiting for new life to be born within. If you tried to do it hurriedly, the life in it within would die. It's the same with a chrysalis. As a chrysalis, if you want to see how the butterfly is being formed, the minute you break open a chrysalis, the butterfly dies. See, waiting's important. Because in the waiting a spiritual transformation is going on. God's birthing a spiritual transformation in us. 
because in the waiting we lean more into God. We learn to wait on the Lord and his perfect timing and his perfect ways, his times and his seasons, even though they might not be ours. But his are perfect. So with the waiting, he does a work within us. We learn to trust him more. We learn to trust his goodness more. We learn to trust his provision more. We learn to trust his providence more. And we learn to trust his plans more. Waiting for the future involves transforming the present our present and the way we see things, how we recognize God in the present. In the words of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush a fire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round it and pluck blackberries. May we have the eyes to see that heaven's crammed into earth and every bush aflame with God so that we take off our shoes knowing that we are standing on holy ground. Are there things that you want to happen now but there's a delay? Are you finding yourself living into future possibilities instead of living fully in the present? It's okay to hold a vision of the future, but not to discount so much the present as to try and live in the future. As we hold a vision for the future, we're to live in the present because it's in the present, in the waiting where God does his work of transformation. It's where God is growing something in us spiritually. For the one who created you is faithful. Trust him. As St. Paul says, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his timing. Trust his goodness. Trust the one who has already shot through this present darkness with his light. And then, when the fullness of time comes and the waiting is over, burst into worship and praise. Amen.